Welcome to CCO Podcast, calling college students to serve Jesus Christ with their entire lives. Hi, so good to be with everybody. I'm excited to see some faces on and some names. Um, You're all very, very welcome. I've been really looking forward to this time we have together. So I'm going to lay a couple of, I don't want to call them ground rules, a couple of guidelines so we can make good use of our time. And then we'll kind of jump in. Yeah, thanks, Beth, for the introduction. And thanks to all of you for joining us today. Um, The first thing I'm going to ask is, I kind of like to see people, maybe you're all traumatized from professors telling you to turn on your cameras, I don't know. Um, But even if you want to turn your camera for a brief minute so I can say, hey, know who I'm talking to, that would be great. Um, If you want to turn it off later, I get it. Uh, Do you, do what works for you. But hey, everybody. Very, very good. Awesome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. All right. Fun. So one of the other things that I will ask of you is not to, to try not to use the chat function while we're initially talking. And that's just because it can be a little bit distracting. Um, I'm going to start by kind of giving a vision for, yeah, what could it possibly look like for us to be people in healthcare who love Jesus and then walk in, walk us through a couple of specifics about situations in which that might come to be. And then at the end, we will have time for questions and answers. Um, But I'm going to ask you as much as possible to hold questions until that point. So uh, no side conversations in the chat. That would be awesome. Um, Consider airplane mode for your phone. I know we've been on Zoom for a year, so you know how that goes. Um, But just to try to reduce distractions. And then I also want to say that I'm happy to give my contact information at the end of all this. If anyone has further questions, if there's things that we don't get to. So this is not your one and only chance uh, for us to, to connect. Um, but with that, unless anyone has any burning questions for the good of the group, I get started. Um, and I do want to start by knowing a little bit more about who we have with us. I know this uh, healthcare is a very general, very broad topic. And so I don't know, do I have future nurses, future physicians, future phlebotomists, dental hygienists, who are you? So if you don't mind, um, those of you who are able to just put, like drop it in the chat. If you know where you're going, know where you want to be, or if you are decidedly undecided, you are also very welcome. And you can certainly put that as well. But just, yeah, so we'll know who we have with us today. Future nurse, medical intake, nursing. Awesome. Nurse in 70 days. Congratulations. Woo! Healthcare admin, sonography, OT, occupational therapy. All right. Public health, obviously very needed right now. Fantastic. Very good. Athletic training, nursing. All right. MDs, NPs, PA, speech and hearing science, personal training, nutrition coaching. Fantastic. I love it. We are a very well-represented group. Um, Thanks, everybody. So with my experience, oh, cyber security, bio professor, awesome. Awesome, awesome, forensic investigation. I love how, yeah, I love how diverse we are. That's awesome. Um, With my experience, I will primarily be talking from the role of a healthcare provider and my role as a wife and nurse practitioner. But But I think that a lot of the things we'll talk about apply across all of these fields. So exciting. Well, everyone is very, very welcome. I don't think that anyone put that they're undecided. I'm like a very decisive group. But if you're undecided and you're just too sh- too shy to say it, that's okay. You're still welcome. We won't talk a lot today about 
discerning that path, whether healthcare is for you or not. But I would encourage you to pay attention to little so to nudges of the Holy Spirit as we talk. Are there things that God seems to be drawing you to? Are there things that you're like, mm, that doesn't really resonate with, with the way that I feel God is calling my life? That's okay. Um, undecided. Yes. <laughs> very good. Very, very good. All right. So thanks, everybody. Um, so let me get started. And uh, Beth gave you a little bit of a background to me. I want to tell you a little bit about how I ended up where I am and then share, yeah, about how how I find that knowing Jesus um, is the cornerstone of my practice. So I initially thought I was going to be a doctor. I went through all the pre-med prerequisites. So those of you who've been through organic chemistry, I salute you. Um, and went through this process until I was in my senior year and changed course a little bit. I won't get into all the specifics, but determined to pursue a path of midwifery. And the initial thing that grabbed me, that made me want to pursue a career caring for health, caring for people's bodies, caring for them beyond their bodies, was actually a course on the anthropology of death and dying, which is not usually where midwives start their career. Um, I had to write a paper. I uh, was exploring how in different times, different cultures, different places, people understood abortion and infanticide and what caused them to think about those as, as different things. And I looked at it from an anthropological perspective. And so as I dug into the literature about that, I had to learn about the physiology of pregnancy. And I was amazed. I was blown away by the fact that our bodies... Um, can go through the process of creating another body. So learning about that physiology. Now, obviously not all of you care about that physiology to to the way that I do. So we got some trauma surgeons, some OTs, um, people who have a lot of different interests and that's awesome. But I just can't get over how incredible it is that God made our bodies in the way that he did. I love, um, you know, I I love the mucociliary escalator. I love that when water goes down the wrong pipe, your lungs can clear it out by these little hairs that just beat and beat and beat and sink until they bring the water back up. I love the electron transport chain. Like how do our cells make energy? I love the alveolar gas chains. Like all of these amazing intricate processes that God designed in order to keep our bodies working and functioning um, never ceases to amaze me. And not only that, but the fact that God chose to give us bodies, he chose to create people um, in his image. So I know we spent time earlier this morning exploring creation so go back to there for a second um, and remind ourselves of the passage in Genesis 2, where God creates people. It says, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. That's incredible. Um, not only from the very beginning of humanity was it God breathing his breath into us, but at, you know, but when Jesus came, Jesus came in a body and it was by his physical sacrifice that, as John talked about, God satisfied his wrath against humanity. So our bodies really matter to God. And I'm going to say that in a few other ways, a few more times, because I really want that to hit home. But take a second to reflect on how our physical bodies matter to God. The elements of our bodies working together are the means to which we interact with the world, right? There's no other way that we gain information apart from our bodies, whether that's neurochemistry, whether it's synapses, whether it's um, our sense of touch, whatever it is, the rods and cones in our eyes, interpreting visual signals, all of it. Um, is is the way that God designed us. And I do want to point out when I talk about our bodies, um, I'm not just talking about 
visible things or about organs, right? Um, we talk about mental health and the ways that our, our brains work as part of our health. We talk about um, the social elements of our bodies, that the way that the world is built for you is different if you're 4'11 or if you're 6'5. Um, people interact with you differently based on your body if you um, have a high BMI, if you're in a wheelchair, if you stutter, if you have a, if you're thin, it, those things all inform the ways that people interact with us, but nothing about us and about our bodies, nothing is hidden from God because he saw us when we were in our mother's womb. He formed us, he created us. Um, so I just want to do a quick, uh, quick little exercise. Give me 60 seconds. Um, for those of you who are sitting, I want you to sit up a little bit straighter. Um, feet on the floor. If you're relaxing, lying down, sink in a little bit deeper. Um, but I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to put your hands on your chest. And I want you just to, to spend a few seconds thanking God for your body. Um, maybe there are some parts about your body you don't like. Maybe some things you wish you were different, things that don't like work right. But lay that aside. Remember that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Body is the place where you meet with God, where God meets with you. Thank God for the gift of your body. Imagine God breathing life into your body. And ask God to bless your body. All right. Good. Go ahead and open your eyes. Um, Maybe that's a little bit metaphysical, a little bit woo-woo for some of you. I promise the second part of our conversation will get a little bit more practical. We'll get into the the dirt. But um, but let's not forget that. Um, Let's not forget that our bodies are a gift from the Lord. And that is sort of the foundation from which I work in my role in healthcare. Um, Don't brush off the fact that God made our bodies good. He made us in his image. That's what it says in Genesis 1, right? God created mankind, people kind, in his image. Um, In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Um, Obviously, we would not all be here. However, if it were not for the second session of today, which was talking about the fall, right? Because of the fall, all is not well in our bodies. We get sick. We die eventually. Um, our bodies don't work the way they're supposed to. Um, some of us live with disabilities. Our mental health suffers. We live with chronic pain. We need surgery. Having a body is a great gift, but it also makes us vulnerable to hurt, to pain, to abuse, to violence. And so I want us to hold those two things in tension, that our bodies are very good, but our bodies also are part of this broken and and falling world. So quite simply, we need healing. Um, And so I I wanted just to take that time to pay attention to our physical bodies, our physical createdness for a minute, because that's why I wanted to call this session caring for and beyond the body, because our work as healthcare professionals now in the future um, in caring for people's health is really physical, um, serving people in healthcare is a kind of incarnate love. And that's something incredible because we work along Jesus in that way. Um, John chapter one talks about the word being with God, the word being Jesus 
and then becoming flesh to dwell among people. That's powerful because if Jesus cared enough about healing not only our souls and reconciling us with the Lord, but also our bodies, if he cared enough about that to take on a body, one that's vulnerable, one that can be hurt, one that can be killed, then it's really an amazing gift that we have to get to join Jesus in the work of healing. Um, so get excited for that because I know that this afternoon or later this afternoon, Timotheus and Tish are going to talk about that. So get pumped. But I'm sure by now you've heard me, right? Like, But what I want you to hear, I'm going to say it the last time before we move on. As Christians, as people who are starting to take seriously the idea that Jesus should or could have something essential to say about our vocation in healthcare, we can't ignore that our care for people's health is not just a job, but it is something really sacred um, to get to work alongside the Lord, to get to, long, to work alongside Jesus um, for healing. So I know that that is a little bit abstract, but I want to know from you, again, back in the chat, if any of you can think of examples from your potential discipline about how, how you care for the human body. Could be simple stuff. Um, I want to be a phlebotomist and my drawing people's blood allows us to get insights into their health to care for them. It could be, um, you know, my, my discipline as a trauma surgeon allows people's bodies literally to be knit back together. That's a cool thing. Um, as a nurse, it allows me to manage complex patients, not only physically, but also in their social needs. So, so put down a couple, anything you can think of in the chat about how your specific discipline um, gives you an opportunity to care for people physically in their bodies. Yes, being an OT allows me to advocate for celebrating all abilities and disabilities. Amen to that. Amen to that. See inside the body of a pregnant woman. I know all about that. Yes, tell her about the gift of life that's inside her. Um, and admin to care for patients and their families by being hospitable. Amen. Um, help parents understand their children's diagnosis and how to move forward. Yes. Yes, to bring confidence to women, help people see how their bodies are strong, to help people improve balance, confidence, energized. I love it. You guys have high callings. This is awesome. Track and manage disease, create solutions for health issues and communities. Amen. Yes, educate people on how to care for their bodies well, how to be good stewards of this gift that we have. Yep. Amen. Help others' bodies to care for our own. Ooh, that's a good one. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, being a nurse, yes, to manage physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health. Mm-hmm. Yes, appreciate how our bodies can function, help children to grow, holistic. This is fantastic. Yes, 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 yes to all of it. And some of you are also hitting on not just the caring for the body, but caring beyond the body. So what does it mean not just to be present with people in their, in their physical needs, but the, the deeper needs? Um, I love that. Being able to give people a second chance to live their lives after making a bad choice. Yes. Yeah. Redemption. That's awesome. So you've got the vision. I'm not in any way concerned. I see, I see that vision. Um, if you didn't put anything in the chat, that's fine. But maybe hold on to that question. Take it with you. Um, ponder it after we wrap up. What are the ways that 
um, yeah, that your discipline gets to care for people's bodies. Um, and yeah, I mean, really, you've already surpassed my, my next point, which is to say that caring for people's bodies, loving incarnationally is, is an easy place to start. It's easier for us to look and to say, well, I help that pressures, that patient's blood pressure come down. I was able to help that child, um, that child's parents understand their diagnosis. I was able to help um, in a physical way. But the thing, there's, there's a story that I really love in scripture that I'm going to share with you. It's probably familiar to you, um, which is in Mark 2, there is the story of a man who was unable to walk. He was paralyzed and Jesus was teaching. He had this, this man had some great friends who decided to get him to Jesus, no matter what it took. Um, they couldn't get to Jesus because there was such a a huge crowd listening to Jesus speak. And so they dug through the roof, which, you know, why not? They dug through the roof and, um, they lowered their friend down to Jesus. And when Jesus saw that, now I'm going to take up reading word for word. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, not walk. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. So he got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. And that was not a fluke. Jesus forgiving someone of sins, Jesus healing people. We have so many examples of Jesus in scripture, right? He healed a woman with heavy bleeding. He healed people born blind, 10 men with leprosy. There's story on story on story of Jesus healing. Um, And the thing I love about this story is it's an example of Jesus physically healing, but also going, but also going deeper, right? Not just being the great physician, but being, um, but being the bread of life, but but bringing this man um, into, into his kingdom to heal us more deeply. So I'm not Jesus. Surprise. Uh, neither are you, but um, I am, and I know that many or all of you are followers, um, disciples, daily seeking to be more like Jesus. And so I love that we get to join him in this healing work, both physically and more deeply. Um, this The theme of Jubilee, right, is that we are restoring every square inch. So here we are. Um, that's like, that's our theological framework that we have to start from, right? We are in the work of healing alongside Jesus, not just healing in body, but also serving people, um, more fully. So I want to transition to now be a little bit more specific, um, and talk about some practical considerations for people who love Jesus and want to love people as future members of the healthcare team, how we as Christians, how do we do it? How do we join Jesus in healing people. Um, And the first thing I want to say is that being in healthcare 
gives you a very, very unique opportunity to be present to people in some of the most vulnerable times of their lives. And it seems like many of you are very well aware of this because you spoke to that when you talked about how you're, you will have the chance to care for people. Um, so I, in addition to being a midwife, am also a family nurse practitioner. And though I spend about 90% of my time taking care of women, pregnant, uh, pregnant ladies, um, I spend about 10% of my time doing primary care. And that means that sometimes I take call. So I'm on call for a week. Anyone that calls in the middle of the night with a question, needing a medication refill, anyone that calls on a Sunday, 3 a.m., doesn't matter. I am there for the week. Um, and I can think of a couple of calls in particular in which I had the chance to be present to people. Um, I remember at the very beginning of COVID, um, when there was, there's still a lot of uncertainty. There's still a lot of, um, of fear. But even in the early days when there was so much less that we knew, I got a call from, uh, from a woman who was very anxious. She was short of breath, having a hard time speaking in full sentences, um, and didn't know what to do. She was too scared to go to the ER, um, too scared to stay home. So what's she going to do? Um, and she had called me after a long day at work. I was just about ready to crash into my bed, but I had the opportunity to be with her in that. And just to speak to her, find out what was going on with her. It turns out that she didn't have COVID. She was just very, very anxious. And to be able to be in that moment with her and to talk her through on the phone for about 30 minutes, just kind of grounding her, just talking about, um, being attentive to where she was about kind of just talking her down um, from that anxiety was, was a really profound experience for me because it reminded me that in, in caring for people, it's not just about getting to the bottom of the physical illness, but people need um, they need people to be with them in moments of vulnerability and you'll have the opportunity um, in healthcare. So it's not just, it's not just to heal people, but also to be, present with them, right? I had a call from another lady who called me three times in the course of two days in the middle of the night, every time when I was trying to sleep, um, after being discharged from the, from the emergency room, she had had chest pain, headache. Um, and she called me at midnight so that I could explain to her the results of her CT scan. Basically that I could explain to her that she was not having a stroke. She was too afraid to go to sleep because she thought if she did go to sleep and she was having a stroke, she would never wake up. So again, this, this really profound anxiety, um, and that leads me, you know, to, to my next point about what it means to work in a healthcare system. So being in healthcare allows us to be present with people in vulnerable points and to give them dignity to treat them as people who are made in the image of God. But our healthcare system is not always good at, at showing people that they are valuable, that they have dignity, that they are made in the image of God. So like, why did my patient leave the emergency room? thinking that she might still be having a stroke. Why did no one explain to her that she was in fact okay, that her headache wasn't going to end her life? Um, and also that it's our, our system is very, very broken. So as people who want to go into healthcare, I would encourage you, um, look beyond just the patient you see in front of you and think about the ways that systems of healthcare affect people's health as well. Um, in my practice, it doesn't matter whether during someone's annual exam, I take six minutes with them, or I take 30 minutes with them. I get paid the same. Um, our healthcare system is not set up to serve people. Um, drugs that cost a few dollars to make are sold for hundreds of dollars, right? Insulin is a great example. It costs a couple of dollars to produce and it's sold for 10, 20 times more than that. Uh, we have a healthcare system where patients have access to health insurance or not. And that has 
as much of an impact on their health as their health behaviors. Um, we have a healthcare system that has been complicit in abuses. Um, my field of midwifery um, is a field that was started when uh, primarily black midwives were sort of pushed out of the field of midwifery and forced out by um, gynecologists, white gynecologists and white midwives um, because because they were seen as uneducated, even they were, they were giving excellent care to women. Um, we are part of a healthcare system that, um, yeah, that is, it, our healthcare system is a mission field. That's what I want you to hear. It is a mission field. Our healthcare system is a, is a broken place. And yet we get to be Christ light in the system. We get to, I have someone on here who wants to be a healthcare administrator. Thank you. Um, as you go into healthcare administration, as you, um, as you work in a healthcare system, discern what would God have you do? How can you privilege prof- patients over profits? How can you love and honor and serve your coworkers? Do you need to get involved in advocacy to change some of these um, to change some of these policies that affect patients' healthcare? Do you need to? Um, call legislators and senators. Healthcare is not just about caring for people in, the, in an individual sense. It's about helping people to gain access to the healthcare they need. Um, the fact that we do have such a broken system is, again, it's because of the fall. It's because we live in a world separated from Jesus. But we do have other, other opportunities as well to see redemption. And one of those that I see most strongly um, is the opportunity in healthcare to work toward racial justice. Um, one thing that we see really, really clearly in the Bible is that working toward racial reconciliation is not an optional part of following Jesus. Um, look at Revelation, look at Revelation 7, where um, you know John is recording his vision. He says, after this, I looked and before me, there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. In heaven, there is not one race that's greater. There's not one race that's lesser. It's all races, all peoples coming together and praising the Lord. But we know that society does not reflect that, and neither does healthcare, right? If you're thinking of going into healthcare, you're probably very familiar with statistics about the racial inequities that we see. You have probably heard that maternal mortality rates for Black and Native women in the United States are two to five times higher than maternal mortality rates for white women, um, depending on different factors. If you if you look at black women compared with white women over age 30, the risk of black women dying from pregnancy-related complications is four to five times that of white women. That is not a reconciled world. That is a broken world in need of Jesus, in need of the gospel. Even our lab tests um, show racial bias. There's a test called um, EGFR, the estimated glomerular filtration rate. And there are actually two thresholds for what's normal. One is a threshold if you are white. One is a threshold if you are not white. And so in order for someone who's not white to have a decreased kidney function sufficient enough to be considered for a kidney transplant, their level actually has to be lower. Their kidney function has to be lower than for a non-white patient. That is not the kingdom of God. That is a sign of brokenness and of racism in our healthcare system. People of color in our healthcare system do not get their pain taken as seriously. Um, There is an article in 2019 from the American Journal of Emergency Medicine that showed black patients 
40% less likely than white patients to get pain meds in the ED for acute pain. Hispanic patients, 25% less likely. Um, And that's not something that I say abstractly or lightly. I want to give an example even from myself that no, that no one is immune from, um, from participating at times in this, um, this injustice in our healthcare system. And yet there is redemption. We'll talk about it. But when I was first starting in my job, um, I had a patient come to see me with ovarian cysts, um, which sometimes are benign. You don't even feel them. You wouldn't know you had them unless you had imaging, but sometimes can be extremely, extremely painful. And so this, um, uh, this woman came to see me. She was a black woman and I was really new in my job. We're told all the time, don't prescribe opioid pain medications. You'll get patients addicted. It's, um, it's intimidating to be trying to manage patients' um, acute pain. And I went back and forth, right? Should I prescribe? Should I not prescribe? Should I prescribe? Should I not prescribe? And, and I didn't. Um, and so she left. And after that encounter, I had it really a check, uh, a check in my spirit, which was, did, did that patient's race play a factor in your encounter with her? Did you treat her differently because she's a Black woman than you would have if she was a white woman? I don't know the answer. I would like to think not, but I've seen enough examples in healthcare that I know I'm not immune to the system. I know that I have to work hard to fight hard to, to, to try to be just, to try to be equitable in healthcare. So I called her, I called her back. Um, I apologized and I did prescribe her a short course of a stronger pain medication um, to allow her to go to work and to allow her to, um, to get through until she could have a consult for, for surgery. Um, but so that's like a small individual action. And I bring that up not to say good for me for prescribing her pain meds, right? As, as clinicians, as healthcare providers, we make decisions with the information we have, but to say, don't neglect the fact that Jesus cares about racial reconciliation. He cares about racial justice, that the kingdom of heaven is made up of people of all languages, colors, nations, backgrounds, tongues. Um, healthcare is a place where there's there's racism, racism and discrimination. And we as Christians need to take it seriously that that is also um, a space for redemption. Um, it is not it is not optional. That This applies not only to racial injustice, it applies to injustices for people with disabilities, people who have a hard time accessing healthcare because they speak a different language other than English. Um, people who are sexual minorities who feel that they cannot access healthcare because they won't be respected as humans. Um, Jesus was a friend of lowly people, people who are pushed aside, people who are made vulnerable. And as people who follow him, we also need to be advocates for people who have been pushed aside by systems of power, no less so, and perhaps even more importantly, um, in a healthcare context. So that's like, that's heavy stuff. Right? That is heavy stuff to look at the sins around us, the sins of racism, um, a healthcare system that doesn't privilege people, um, a system that, that can brush off people's complaints. It's heavy stuff to recognize that that is a system that we are entering as our mission field. Um, so I want to encourage you. I want you to walk away not being discouraged by all of the struggles and challenges that being in healthcare comes with. Um, I want you to walk away with a sense that you are in this with Jesus. And so I want to say, you'll hear a lot of talk in healthcare circles about self-care, 
This is our favorite buzzword, especially in COVID times when stress levels are at an all-time high. Self-care, self-care, self-care. How can you drink more lavender tea and sleep better and wear comfier, fluffier socks and, you know, drink, uh, eat healthy enough food and go on enough runs and do enough yoga that you'll be okay. Um, do those things. Yes. But don't forget where your ultimate, your ultimate soul care comes from, that it's the Lord that renews our strength. It's, it's, it's Jesus that, um, yeah, that helps us to rise on wings of eagles Helps us to, to run and not go weir- grow weary, to walk and not faint. Um, I, I want to share a, a brief story about um, just a, a difficult time that I went through in my practice when I really did have to learn that my self-care practices, even though they were pretty good, like I was running, I was doing yoga, I was eating healthy, but they were not enough. And I really had to turn to the Lord and to rely on him to get me through. Um, this past October was a very difficult time for me in my practice. You all have been making incredible sacrifices because of COVID. Probably a lot of you are doing online school. It's impacted all of our lives in a huge, huge way and no less so um, for me in healthcare. So I had decided not to visit family for Thanksgiving or Christmas, just as much to protect them from being possibly exposed to me as to protect my patients. If I were to be exposed and visiting them, um, our healthcare centers were losing staff, either people who were out from actually having COVID or people who had to leave the workforce because they had to care for children. When, when um, daycare centers were closed, I was working really long hours, doing a lot of job responsibilities that were not my own. And there was just a lot of uncertainty, right? Patients were scared. I was working with, patient, with pregnant patients who um, didn't know what COVID would mean for their pregnancies. And so it was a really heavy, really heavy time. Um, there's one week in particular that um, on a Wednesday morning, I attended the funeral for uh, the baby of one of my patients. Who she delivered early at 23 weeks, um, just, just at the edge of when babies can survive outside the womb, and her baby died. Um, so that morning, I went to the funeral for the baby, um, went straight from the funeral into the hospital, and one of the first patients that I saw that day was a patient who, um, who's, who had a stillbirth. So she was, she hadn't yet delivered her baby, but her baby had passed away. And so I was with her through her labor and I delivered, um, her baby. And then two days later, I went back into the office and one of my first patients of the day was a patient who was very excited about her first pregnancy and was, was miscarrying. So it was a very, very difficult time. And, I was kind of beside myself asking, um, God, how can, how can I endure this suffering? It's not even my suffering. It's suffering of my patients, but, um, vicariously, um, I was, I was feeling that, that pain and that sadness and that sorrow. Um, I, I went to counseling, I prayed, I said, God, just help me to be, um, help me to trust in you. Right. Um, one of the things that was really very healing for me, in that situation was, was actually to be at the funeral of my patient's baby. Um, it was a time, um, I think sometimes God gives us spiritually thin places. Um, by that, I mean places where it's almost like we could reach out and touch him. Um, times when heaven and earth are really very close together. Um, and that funeral was a thin place for me where God made himself really, really rare, uh, really real. Um, it's just surreal to see a, a, a coffin, a little casket the size of a shoebox, to see um, this baby's dad carrying it 
um, carrying that, that casket down the aisle. Um, and then to hear the pastor um, praying to the Lord to receive our sister, my baby's name was Susan, to receive our sister Susan and to recognize um, how much God loved that, that little tiny baby. Um, there was just a, a, a real sweetness in being able to bring that before the Lord, even in the midst of really, really deep grief, deep sorrow, something that going for a run and eating my kale and quinoa was not going to fix, but that God really saw me through with. And I can't say that I don't still carry that grief with me, um, but I can say that it was by relying on the Lord that I was able to keep moving forward. Being in healthcare, we've talked about you'll be in very vulnerable places with patients. Um, and as humans, it, 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 we experience it as well. There's vicarious grief, vicarious trauma. And so draw close to the Lord when that happens, but also draw close to brothers and sisters, draw close to community, um, get counseling, um, be in, yeah, be with the Lord, be with, with others who can encourage you, who can lift you up in difficult times. And remember Jesus' example, um, Jesus in the midst of his working and teaching and preaching and saving souls and healing withdrew from the crowds. Um, remember in Matthew 8, when Jesus calms the storm, what is he doing at the beginning of the story? He's sleeping. He's resting. He's, he's away from it all. Um, remember Mary and Martha, right? Our, our favorite, uh, favorite sisters, when they sat at the feet of Jesus, when, when Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha was complaining because she was trying to do so many things and she was asking Jesus, like, why is Mary not helping me? Like, tell her, get it together. And Jesus said, no, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one Mary has chosen rightly. And that's not to say that when we come to, come to these places of needing rest, um, that we set aside our responsibilities, but to say that it is okay and it is normal as, as humans to need rest. And we find true rest in Jesus. Um, develop your healthy habits, right? Go like, get into a running routine, find your favorite Netflix show and zone out to it sometimes, but all of that is worthless without also finding places of true rejuvenation in Jesus. Spend time with the Lord. Don't be afraid to bring the real depths of emotion before the Lord because he is a safe place. Um, he's a strong tower that we run to and we're healed. Remember, um, remember Lamentations. It says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, which to me sounds like a great reason to like get some sleep when you're, when you're stressed. Trust that, right? Trust that God gives you mercies that are new every morning. Even when the stress of work, the patient load, the patient that needs this, the patient you thought would be farther along in their treatment, but isn't the patient who got an infection after surgery and you don't know why. All of those things, cast those, cast those things on Jesus. Um, don't let yourself be consumed by those, um, by those things. Um, which, which leads me to talk also about our spiritual rhythms. Um, maybe you talk about them in different language, right? Um, you might talk about like your, your quiet time, um, your time with the Lord, corporate worship, fellowship, um, times of fasting. Maybe that's a spiritual practice for you, but a lot of spiritual rhythms look different when you're working in healthcare because you work crazy hours. So, for people who work a more set schedule, which some of you will, some of you won't, maybe that looks like 
having a set time in the morning. Maybe you're doing that now. I would encourage you to use this time as a student to practice and to build those rhythms because you'll need them. You do need them now and later, not just for the utility, not just, okay, let me come to you, Jesus, and get what I need so I can keep pushing myself and grinding it out, but really to come to know the Lord and to be reaffirmed in who he has called you to be and who he has, um, the opportunities he's given you, right? But look at those rhythms. And if you are working 24-hour shifts a couple of times a week and you can't make that set time, it's okay, but don't let yourself off the hook from having those rhythms, right? Maybe you can't have a set fixed hour prayer schedule where you're praying at 6 a.m. and 12 and 5 p.m. and 10 p.m. or whatever you're, um, you would like to do, but make time for the Lord. Um, and I'm kind of going to, I'm going to end for now before we get to questions by saying um, one of the things that I have been asking myself a lot and in preparing to speak with you and to share with you today is what is the difference between being a healthcare provider who loves, knows, and is following Jesus and, and someone who isn't? What is, what's the difference, right? Like I work with a lot of people who are fantastic healthcare providers, fantastic clinicians, fantastic healthcare workers who don't know Jesus. They're compassionate, they're conscientious, they're dedicated, gentle, just brilliant people. Um, they do good work. They take good care of people. So what, like what, what of us, um, what does it mean to, to be a Christian in healthcare? How is it different? Is it different? Um, and I would argue that there are a few things that, that set apart being a Christian in healthcare. The first one is that you live the gospel. You know, you have a context for understanding the world that we're living in. Um, you know that God loves people. He loves you. He loves your patients very, very much. But you know that we live in a world that is separated from God, but that redemption is coming. There is a hope that cannot be replaced. Oh, that redemption is coming. When you know that you are free to work alongside Jesus for redemption, but it's not ultimately your responsibility to fix everything. Um, So you are gospel people, and that will inform every part of your work. Second thing, um, your identity is not in how much your patients like you, not in how successful you are at doing procedures, not in how many patients you can see in an hour, not even in like what the outcomes for the patients you care for are. But your identity is in Christ, and that frees you up to care for patients in a whole different way when your identity is not wrapped up in your work, when your identity is that I am a child of God. I am working alongside Jesus to bring health and to bring restoration to people. Um, And the last thing is, as someone who knows and loves and is following Jesus, you have prayer. That's huge. It's very, very very rare that I, in my day-to-day practice, pray with patients. Um, That's a particular professional boundary that I have. Um, But there have been many times that I have prayed for patients. Um, And there is something really profound um, when, there's something really profound when a patient looks you in the eyes after you've been, you know, you've been working on something over a couple of visits, trying to figure out what's going on, trying to treat them. And they look you in the eyes and and they say, I I don't know what I should do, but I trust you. That's a big responsibility. I trust you. can be a great burden as well. But Jesus says that his burden is easy and his yoke is light. 
So when I have those patients, I don't, I, Lord, I don't know what to do. I've, I've read everything. I've consulted everyone. Um, just help me to serve this patient. Well, heal this patient. I don't know how to, but you are the great healer. Um, remember we are partners with the Lord in this work of healing. It's not, I go to my quiet time in the morning and then I have the rest of my day to care for people. No, God is with us in the midst. He gives us his, um, he gave us his son. He gives us his spirit to, to walk with him in this. So that would be my encouragement for you. And I would lastly say as students, um, I know a lot of this has been focused on what will be to come in the future. Someone said 70 days until they're a nurse. That future is sooner for you. Some of you probably have a couple years left. Um, but use this, use your education well. Use your education unto, unto God's glory. Um, your work in the future will be to work unto the Lord in healthcare, but your work right now is to work unto the Lord as a student. Um, so that means ask the Lord, how can I be faithful in my time now? How can I work hard? Um, again, as Colossians says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. That's my encouragement for you today. Um, I want to just, I I do, I want to pray. I just talked about prayer. So let me not be a hypocrite and not pray because it really is powerful. I want to pray just that whatever, whatever has been helpful that God would seal, whatever has not would fall away. And then we'll open up for questions as well. Just join me in prayer. God, you're a good God. You are a father. You are the God of creation and the God who didn't grow tired of us when we fell away, but the God who created a path for redemption through Jesus. Um, Thank you for each one of these brothers and sisters here today who wants to serve you and serve your people in healthcare. Thank you for inviting us along in that journey. And I ask Lord that you would help us. Um, to be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves as we, uh, as we serve your people, as we serve your creation in this field of healthcare. Um, anything that was helpful, Lord, I ask that you would seal it by your Holy Spirit. Anything that was not, I pray that you would just let fall to the ground. Um, and I pray for these students as they continue on their journey, that you would be with them, that you would guide them, and that you would make them more like Jesus every day. We pray this, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen.